You have one stool. Well, we'll take turns. Just kidding. I have enjoyed um, preparing this week for the message, for the sermon. So last year, about like just a little bit before Easter, I was introduced to the idea that um, this passage was kind of like Jesus was putting on the th- a theater. Like he was presenting a theater and that was, maybe you've heard this idea, but I was like, oh, this is new to me. And I like stored it away and I stuck it back. And then when this time around, year came around again, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go study that and I'm going to look into it. And turns out it was new to me. However, like N.T. Wright and Scott McKnight and like a lot of the major um, theologians of our day, this is how they refer to this passage. And so I had a lot of fun exploring and learning and reading. And I'm excited to share a bit of that with you today. Um, so theater, we went Friday night and we saw Kelly. <laughs> I can't believe she's you're alive. here. I, I can't, can't believe, believe she's there. here. So she's in a Dickens um, play over in Moscow. It is so good, you guys. If you want to go to a very good performance, it is like, Jamie's like, that's like something we saw when we were in the Seattle area. It's very good. And it's very long. So I'm surprised. We got home at 11 o'clock. She's been doing that. I'm like, if you want to see if you are friends with Kelly, if you want to see her be so overly dramatic, you're like, Jamie's like, are you sure that's, that's not Kelly? Is that Kelly? And she like faints and swoons and I'm just like, who is this? And cries. It's so not Kelly. It's wonderful. It didn't even look like Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. We're all like, who is that? And I'm so anyways, but so Dickens used theater, right? He was trying to portray, if you're familiar with Dickens, my dad is a Dickens nerd. So I've been hearing about Dickens since I was Amelia's age. He's on the podcast today. Oh, (laughs) he he is. My dad's a nerd and he's a Dickens nerd. Um, And so, but Dickens would use the theater to let you know what was going on in society and kind of like what was wrong with society and to point out um, the debtors prisons and what was really going on. And so this passage is thought to be kind of like Jesus putting on a performance to let people know what he was doing and what was going on. So before this, if you know the story of Jesus, Jesus would be off in the wilderness, kind of like hidden. If you wanted to hear what he had to say, you had to go to him like up on a hill, away on a mountain, or he would heal somebody and he'd say, please don't tell anybody, right? He goes, it's not time yet. Don't tell anybody. He'd heal somebody. And sometimes he did like the Samaritan woman. He gave her permission. But a lot of times he'd be like, please don't tell anybody. It's not time. This is time. This is the time. This is the moment when Jesus is going to let people know. This is his platform, like a theater, um, what, what is next for him and who he is. So I'm going to read the text, and then Jamie is going to set the scene for the theater. I can't wait to hear what you say. <sighs> we both kind of wanted to do that part. All right. So today, there's three texts, but we're, um, we're sticking with the Matthew passage for today. So Matthew 21 And I'm reading verses 1 through 11. So follow along. It'll be right there. So this is called Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. When they had come near Jerusalem and had had reached Bethage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them. And he took 
Mm, sorry. And he took, I'm having a hard time following my eyes. Pla this ah, mine. And this took place, sorry. Whew, old eyes. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, This is Zechariah. Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hey, people started saying it. Yeah. We've been trying this for a while and yeah. they're participating now. This is going well. Cool. Good job, those of you who did it. Next time, if you didn't do it, you can say thanks be to God. Uh, I thought it would be a good spot to pray real fast just okay. for this, this moment. So Jesus, we, uh, we are like the crowds that day. We come week after week, and we celebrate your name, but we don't often know who it is that we're celebrating. Um, God, I pray that you reveal yourself as we ask this question, who is this? In Jesus' name, amen. So, theater. This is a great theater going on here. And what's interesting is, you know, so theater is just storytelling, right? It's storytelling with acting. And stories are super important for us as human beings because they help us understand our world. They help us see things that we wouldn't otherwise see. They help us understand who we are and what's important about us. This is a season of storytelling for the people of Israel because it's the season of Passover. So during Passover, the Jews would gather together in Jerusalem. Thousands of them would be coming into the city, and they'd be gathering in homes. They'd be coming to Grandma's house. You know, the kids are piling into Grandma and Grandpa's house, running amok, making a mess, and Grandma's getting after them. You can imagine kind of the scene of a holiday family gathering. And during this holiday gathering, the Jews are telling stories. They're remembering the Passover. They're remembering all the way back to the book of Exodus when God took the, the Israelites who were slaves in Egypt and set them free with all kinds of signs and wonders. So grandpa's telling stories about this man, Moses, coming out of the desert, and he's old and he's craggly and he's got a staff and it's like, he looks like an old stinky goat herder. And he shows up and he goes to Pharaoh, who is the king of everybody, and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. And there's this whole battle between what really was a battle between gods. Pharaoh was a god and then there was Yahweh. Yahweh, who came and rescued his people. And he's telling these stories. And then they tell the story about how a lamb had to be slaughtered. And, and, and the blood was put over their doorpost one night. And how grandma was like, ugh, this is so gross because there's blood on our doorpost and it's all cringy. And then they had to eat the lamb. And that was a big deal because lamb are not small. As much as you like to think of them as small, whole family would have to eat this thing. And they talk about every year we do this and we're so stuffed. And they're reminding themselves. They're reminding themselves of their history, of who they are, 
of how God saved them, how they were in need of salvation and how God had saved them once. And in the telling of that story, they're remembering that we still need to be saved. We are under the thumb of Rome and we are waiting again for a Messiah to come and rescue us. That's the Jews. They're telling the story all in the center of town. Now, with that story going on, the people in power, they kind of get it into their mind that, well, they may think that they're something special. They may think that they're these God's chosen people, but guess what? They're our subjects. They're, we rule them. And so we need to remind them exactly who we are. So in on the east side of the city comes this, there's a gate. And in that, through that gate comes the Roman cohort. It's the, it's the pilot who is the governor of all of Judea riding on a mighty war horse, a great big white horse with armor and swords and soldiers following before and behind him. We got pictures. Actually, we probably missed, we missed two pictures now. So the first picture was the picture of Jews. So, and by the way, you got to love Jewish people because they tell their stories with food, mm-hmm. right? Lamb, bitter herbs of their slavery. It's, it's, they, they use food to tell the story. I, I, I could be Jewish. I like to use food to tell my stories. And then now we got the Romans is the next one. Here we go. So you got the Roman triumph up here, and, and they come into the city, and in Rome, everybody be cheering, but in a, sub, a subjected city, everybody is like, oh my gosh, and they're afraid. And they're displaying their might and their power, and there's even a flag being carried that says, Caesar is Lord. It doesn't matter who you think you are. It doesn't matter who you think your God is. I'll tell you who your God is. It's Caesar. And we're going to show you by just how strong and mighty we are. And everybody else needs to just be afraid. So they're marching into the city. It's just like what they do in North Korea and Russia and other places where they parade their military might past the the camera so that the world would see, look how much power we have. You think you're so great? Look at our nuclear weapons. Look at our tanks. Look at all of our troops. That's exactly what they were doing. So this is all going on in the city on this Passover day. And Jesus is coming in from the west, and he's at this crossroad moment. And Casey pointed this out this moment, this morning. He could have chose to just keep going, and he could have just kept walking on to some other place. But instead, he turned off, and he comes into the city on a colt, a little baby donkey. Here's a picture. In fact, this is the most ridiculous theater ever thought up. Because a full-size man on a donkey that's about this tall, little baby donkey that's never been ridden before, that's going to be kind of wild and moving, and you can just imagine Jesus like this, just going to like bouncing from foot to foot as he trots into the city, coming in from the other side, and he is doing a complete parody of what Pilate is doing in the other side of the city. Pilate's coming in on his war horse with his mighty troops, and here comes Jesus riding this little baby donkey with his disciples, who are teens and 20s, who are rough fishermen, who are, you know, tax collectors and sinners being celebrated by people with palm trees and throwing their cloaks on the ground. And they're set up this complete farce of what Caesar is doing. And Jesus is making a point as he walks into the city. Caesar may say he is Lord, but guess who is really Lord? Jesus. Jesus. And this is what it looks like for me to be Lord in this place. And that actually led to the people asking the all-important question, who the heck is this guy? Because this should have been a tinderbox. If, if uh, Pilate had met Jesus in the center of the city, it could have, it, it could have sparked a, a slaughter. 
the Romans would have just gone bonkers because this guy's saying he is Lord, but Caesar is Lord, and we're going to prove it. So that is the theater that is taking place in this moment. But what does all of this mean? So Jesus comes in small. He comes in on a colt. They mention the cult three times in these short verses. They want, the author wants you to pay attention to the cult. And the Zechariah passage, so the audience here is a group of people that probably couldn't read. But when they saw the cult, they knew scripture and they knew what Jesus was saying. They knew when they saw that cult that Jesus was saying, I am the king. I am the king. But he wasn't coming big. He wasn't coming with show. He was coming small. And if we're honest, 2,000 years later, we're still not very impressed with small. Jesus came as a servant. He came humble. He came, like, they didn't recognize him. They didn't really recognize him for who he really was. And well, how he came was he came on a donkey, and Luke tells us he looks at the people and he starts to weep. He starts to weep. There are two times in the Gospels that Jesus weeps. The first one, you might remember, is he, leaps, he weeps over his friend's grave, Lazarus. He's dead, and he's weeping. The second one we hear, see is here. Jesus is weeping. He's on this colt. He's coming into town, and I'm pretty sure he's weeping. He's weeping over the people because they didn't get it. They didn't really get him, and he's just weeping. It's, he's weeping for us because we still don't get it. And so he's, he has been teaching them, right, for like the last, all the chapters, all the parables, all the stories, all the beatitudes, all the teaching on the kingdom, all the little times that he's been talking to them, and they still don't understand what he's really about. He's like, they don't get it. I've spent all this time, and they still don't get who I am, and he's, he's weeping. He's weeping for them because they, cause we don't get it, because they don't get it. He came small. He came as a servant. And we're not, we're not really impressed, even if we're honest. We're still not super impressed with small. We're kind of impressed with big. We're kind of impressed with control and power and big, big houses, big bank accounts, big power. And Jesus comes and he's the complete opposite. And he cries because he weeps because we don't get it. We don't really want what he, what he has to offer. I was thinking about that a little bit and, and realizing that it's not only did we not want small in our leaders, but we don't want small in ourselves. Yeah. And so one of the things that Jesus is doing as he comes into the city is he's showing everybody his true self. And this is a very vulnerable moment. He's saying, I'm, I'm small. I may seem weak. I may seem, I'm a servant king. We don't put on those kind of shows for one another, right? We don't, we don't put on humility for one another. I mean, genuine humility. We may put false humility on for each other, but we don't put genuine humility. We tend to put on what we want the world to think of us. We, we put on a, what we called an EHS this last week, the false self. We put on an image for other people to see that we're well put together, that we're strong, that we're wise, that we're spiritual, that we're, we're wealthy, or we have, have all the things, and we're, we tailor our look and our lifestyle so that others would see us and love us. 
But the reality is, is that inside we are somebody else and that there is a true self within us that God is inviting the, his people through this story and through others to, to release to the world, to live their true self for other people. Jesus is modeling for us what it is to reveal your true self to the world, which may be humble, which may be small, which may be weak, but it is God-designed and God-loved, and it's, that's the big thing, that God loves that true self. In the Luke passage, it says that Jesus, the people are singing like Hosanna, and they're singing for peace. The people are singing for peace. What they really, really want is peace. It's really important for us to remember that the Jewish people are not like our American culture right now. They were the disinherited. The Jews were subjugated people. It's really hard for us who've never been subjugated to put ourselves in that position of how the Jews were. Jesus's family was poor. His friends were poor and they were powerless. And God chose to send Jesus to that culture. God chose to send him to the Jewish people rather than the Romans. And so for us to kind of understand sometimes we have to use our imagination. We have to pretend that we are the subjugated. So the little phrase here, it seems like not a big deal, but Caesar is Lord. Like they come in shouting, Caesar is Lord, Caesar is Lord. To say that Jesus is Lord is to like flip the tables and to say that the Lord is actually a servant leader is to flip everything on its head. So for the first couple hundred years of the church, their creed, their, their only creed was Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Like we now, if you've been in, the, we have the Nicene Creed. We have the Apostles Creed. Those have been worked out over time. But the first few hundred years, it was simply Jesus is Lord, which is saying Caesar is not Lord, which was super, um, what would it be like? It'd be like snubbing the power, like saying you're not, you're not Lord. It's Jesus, and he's a humble servant. What we see also here is Jesus has been teaching the people all along what it looks like to truly follow him. Like all those kingdom stories and the Beatitudes, he's like, this is what it really looks like to follow me. This last week, he's going to live it out. He's going to forgive his enemies. He's going to turn the other cheek. He's like, forgive those who trespass against you, and this is what it actually looks like. He's going to forgive those. He's going to love his enemies. He's going to bless those who curses them. He gets cursed, and he prays for them. So he's actually living out everything that he's been preaching, and the people are still not going to get it. This point, think about how hard this week was for him. He's still human. He's God, but he's human. He had thousands of people. There were probably 200,000 people each year coming in, and they're praising, and they're worshiping him. And during this week, as he goes on, the crowd gets smaller and smaller. When they find out what Jesus is actually about, like, oh, this is what, this is what you're really about? They're like, ah. They get smaller and smaller and smaller. And when we get to the cross, what is it? It's a bunch of, it's a bunch of ladies, Marys, who stick with him. And I think it's easy to be like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. I think it's really important for us instead to say, I probably would have done the same. I probably would have done the same. I probably would have been like Peter, right? I probably would have freaked out and been a little bit more like Peter. So this week, 
is an opportunity for us to journey with Jesus. It's an opportunity for us not to be like, oh, that was a story 2,000 years ago. It's an opportunity for us, like I said to the kids, to open up your Bible and follow the journey with Jesus and walk with him and ask him, what, what did you go through? What do you want me to see? What do you want me to understand Understand this week about what you have done? Uh, I, have, I have a picture that I want to share with you. Uh, I think it's the next slide. Has anybody, has anybody seen this before? Yeah, I hadn't either. It's, I hope it's clear enough. It's, it might be a little hard with the bright lights. Maybe we could, can you do that, Noah? Can you turn down lights without? Oh, you're, you're getting good. That's impressive. It's better, huh? So, did you lose? Okay. So this is actually in Spokane. It's actually in Spokane. And here's the artist. And I just want you to look at it for a few minutes, and I'm not going to tell you what it's called so that you don't, you know, start to form ideas. But I was introduced to this about five weeks ago, and it's just, I can't get it out of my head. But this is kind of Christ in the last week. And I want you just to notice So the artist, actually, I was introduced to this art, and then I wanted, and we talked about it, and then I wanted, I wanted to know, what was he thinking? Why did he, and he does, he won't say. He says, I will not say what I was thinking because I do not want to form people's opinion. I want people to encounter Christ in this painting for themselves. So I want to do something that we don't normally do in church, and I'd love for you to tell me. There's no, it's art. There's no right or wrong answers, right? What do you see? Just say it out. Jesus. See Jesus, yep. He does look white. Thorns, yeah, which is different. A lot of times we see Jesus on a cross, so that caught my eye. Graphic content. Blurred. Yeah. Hiding the face. Multicultural. Multicultural. Why do you see that, Kathleen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, all the different colors. Yeah, it's on a building. Oh, you, it looks like a quilt. Yeah. Jan, you don't, you don't see. Yeah. What, Kelly? If you blur your eyes. Okay, I'm going to tell you the name, and we'll just see if that changes anything for you. So you see the artist down here? He's a Hispanic man. He's probably in his early 30s. I'm guessing. He looks a lot younger than me. So, and it's called American Jesus. Hmm? 
So Amelia wanted you to know, and if you zoom it out, which is interesting, is and I, it's not on purpose, just just is, that there's an American flag above Jesus. Iron irony, I think. <laughs> right? You can't see it. It's at the top. It's of the at building. the top. I zoomed it in so it's big, but at the top, just because flags in Spokane have American flags on them. So on this one, there's an American flag. It's not like a big, massive American No, it's flag. a small it's just a one. It's flag. just irony, I think. I noticed it. Yes, it is. That's his intent. Yeah. Technology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. Makes Janice feel like she, Jesus can see her and she can't see him. Yeah. It kind of bothers me. Like I want, I look at it and I want to see. And yet, I guess without saying too much, what I kind of think is, I think in our culture, it's kind of hard to see Jesus through all the things that are brought at us and all the, the things that I've been told. I think it's hard to see who Jesus really is. And so it's just been sticking with me. And they didn't recognize Jesus. And we probably wouldn't have either. They didn't recognize a king on a colt. And we probably have to admit that we wouldn't either. They probably weren't too impressed or a lot of respect for a servant leader. And we have to admit, sometimes we're not really impressed with it either. God came through Jesus in poverty, humility, and suffering. I think the invitation this week is to follow the servant Jesus. And in order to follow the servant Jesus, what I've been thinking about is I have to become a servant. We have to become a servant, humble. Is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I was talking with, with a, a kid this last week, and just about the stories that are told about Christianity and about Jesus in the schools. And from a historical perspective, and looking at Christianity over the ages, and how Christianity has sought power, and has sought, sought authority, and sought, sought wealth, and sought... sought um, not just political power, but physical power. And this, there's this story that kind of goes through history that goes back to Rome in a lot of ways and the power of Rome. And I think the other invitation, it's, it's to follow the servant king, but to be like the servant king as well and how we seek to live like Christ in the world. The world can't see Jesus, but what the world sees is us. Maybe we're these little squares in some way. And as they're trying to see who God is, they're looking through all their cultural lenses. They're looking, they're looking through what they see as powerful and what they see as good and what they see as beautiful, and they're seeing us. And we've got a long history to overcome in some ways. And so we get to be these little squares, I think. That's the invitation. That's, that's the same invitation. It's just said kind of different. Yeah. 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 All right, you have a song for us to worship in closing. Yeah. And I want to invite you back next week. We return to celebrate the conclusion of Jesus' journey. 
So we're going to um, end today with, um, with worship. I'll pray. I'm going to pray for us. God, I thank you that you came. And I thank you that um, you didn't worry about what we needed you to look like. You just came how God asked of you. Be with us this week as we choose to journey with you and to walk with you the road that you took. I thank you that you said yes, uh, even though maybe you were like, can you, can you find a different way, God? Not my will, but yours. May we learn to be the same, not my will, but yours. God, I'm not sure I know what it means to be a servant. Teach me, show me, show us what it means to serve, to serve those around us. Be with us as we continue to worship you.